Hey y'all, my name is LMC. If you are interested in the cannabis industry, earning business, politics, finance, investment, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, the black market, legalization, and so much more, hit that subscribe button. I would very much appreciate it. Okay, so just um, scrolling through the news today, right? And this came across my uh, my newscast or my news, my Google News um, for cannabis news, right? And title of this article is an ABC News written by Andy Fies, posted July 19th. Um, Evanston, and title is Evanston, Illinois, finds innovative solution to funding reparations, marijuana sales taxes. The city hopes to disperse $10 million for housing and economic improvements. I think that's pretty cool. Now, is this really new and innovative, this idea? No, not really. But it's one of the first places to really do it. So you got to give credit there 100%. But today, I just want to kind of go over this article um, and then, you know, talk about, um, you know, what, what do you think? I, this is one something I really, if you guys are watching this, you know, please, I would love to hear your opinion. So please comment down below. Um, okay, let's go over it. When the city council in Asheville, North Carolina approved reparations this past week for its African-American residents and apologized for its history of slavery, the move was called historic and received global media attention. The resolution stood out as, as a first in the racially unsettled months since the killing of George Floyd and resonated because it happened in what was once a Confederate state. But while Asheville resolution promises reparations, it does not say when or how they will be paid for. Another city has gone further down the road to reparations than any other and many and may be a model for the small but growing number of places considering making amends for past racial injustice, including Seattle, Providence, Rhode Island, and state of California. Last year, Evanston, Illinois, not only adopted a resolution for reparations as part of the city budget, it found an, an inventive source of funds, tax revenue from newly legalized marijuana sales. Okay, it's not like newly. That's, I, I'm great that they're, I'm glad that they're doing it. We've been talking about this for like years at this point, but it's glad, I'm glad though that that is actually being, you know, it's not to like, you know, take away from that at all. Okay, so Eviston absolutely is the pioneer, said Nakechi Tafa, an attorney and member of the National African American Reparations Commission, quote, it basically is the first municipality to commit public dollars to reparations. So it's the first to really, you know, put their money where their mouth is, right? A lot of people have talked about this. And, you know, there hasn't been really any sort of actual dollar, you know, actual set amount that's been promised, you know, so they're definitely right there. The plan calls for using $10 million collected by the city in cannabis sales taxes over an estimated 10 years to provide African-American residents with housing assistance and economic development benefits. As of the 2010 census, the black population of Houston was about 13,400 people, according to Alderman Robbins Rue Simmons, who has led the effort details for the first, quote, remedy policy are nearing completion, a $25,000 direct benefit payment to purchase a home. Those who qualify for such a check, according to the current proposal, are black residents who lived in Evanston between 1919 and 1969 or their direct descendants. Okay, I, I like that. I think that's great because that's specific. I think that, I think that, you know, you know, with reparations, I do think they're absolutely 
uh, important. And I think that, I mean, you can look historically, there were multiple different things that, you know, while slavery was absolutely terrible and all that, but you look at, you know, more recent things like, you know, the new Jim Crow, right? Uh, by the way, that's a great book if you haven't read that. But the really the big thing is that there's these federally backed loans, right? To buy housing or for anything really, liquidity, right? To get liquidity, to get you know financial backing, that's the key infrastructure for any, um, you know, for anyone to build, you know, wealth, right? And that was absolutely uh, not given to uh, people of color, African Americans, uh, you know, throughout the 20th century, uh, and that there's been still some problems with like this happening to this day, and, you know, just with loans and stuff and being a little bit prejudiced. Uh, people, you know, different. Um, Loan, uh, lenders have, have been called out for it uh, not, not too not too um, long ago so but I, what I do like though is I do like the fact that they are being specific though with so those who qualify for such a check according to the current proposal are black residents who lived in Evanston between 1919-1969 uh, or their direct descendants okay so a lot of people like you know 1919 to 1969 I mean that that's a great time period to pick I think because um that is when new Jim Crow kind of got implemented, right? That is when it wasn't, you know, it went from slavery to sharecropping to, um, you know, I might, I'm not on the exact chronological order. I mean, obviously went from slavery kind of to sharecropping, right? Which is a sharecropping is a system that pretty much is, is slavery, right? Uh, you get them stuck in an economic system, right? So they, they use economic means. And then, you know, the new Jim Crow, they started to use political, uh, they started to, you know, white people started to use political means to block um, you know, to, to oppress people of color. Um, and that time period right there is really where it started. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that, you know, uh, cause I mean, not to say that the, the black community was like, like crazy, you know, that they, you know, completely, um, come back from slavery, you know, in the early 20th century, like 1910 to 1915, but like, you're like around that area, but they definitely had a lot more wealth. And then with the, um great depression right mixed with the new jim crow right the, the ways that they would disenfranchise people of color those kind of came together and you know actually anything that the black community had built up really actually like you know hurt them quite a bit there was a the whole thing called black wall street you know there's a multitude of different um there's like whole towns that were like very, very wealthy that were filled with black people um, in you know, a couple places in North Carolina, I mean, in, in throughout the South and they were disenfranchised um, through, you know, racist actions and, and all that stuff. But um, yeah, just a little bit of a tangent there, but I, I do like how they're specifically, you know, they're setting these dates and they're saying, this is, you know, we want to, we're going to pay the reparations for the people that directly were affected in our, you know, um, our region. And so, you know, I think that's just a more specific way to go about, I think now ending now the mission is to maybe get other, you know, try to get other areas, other towns to do the same thing. Um, but yeah, not to say that there aren't still going to be help for people of, you know, black people that, uh, you know, aren't, don't meet those requirements of 1919, 1969 or have direct descendants. But, um, I do, I do like that because we just need to get specifics. People, there's a lot of, you know, critics of reparations. They always are like, well, they're always going to keep asking. They're never going to like stop. Like it's never going to, and that's not true, but you need to be specific to combat that kind of rhetoric, right? 
Okay, so we're going, quote, we are going, so let's keep going. So, quote, we are going to lead with housing, said Simmons, because homeownership is considered, quote, the benefit that would build wealth. Homeownership, right, ownership in general, homeownership and definitely um, ownership of, of, like, equity, right, owning a business. Two things that are absolutely, you know, anything that can be generational wealth, that's how you start to build up, um, you know, society, or, um, you know, the, the, the black community or any disenfranchised community. Um, yeah, and it'll help you know, build the, the wealth gap. So the next round of benefits from the fund will be designed to encourage business development and entrepreneurship. That's great. I love that. That's definitely, that's, that's, a, that's one of my favorite parts about this too. Entrepreneurship. Love it. Entrepreneurs solve problems. Okay, so, and they also create generational wealth. Right. So when Illinois is ready to legalize marijuana sales last year, Simmons and others on the city council thought, quote, there is no more appropriate place to use the sales tax from them, uh, from that industry. Absolutely. Disenfranchised people, uh, black people are five times more likely to go to jail for the same amount of cannabis as a white person. Um, there's, it's, it's been utilized as just like, you know, part of the new Jim Crow, you know, part of these, these oppressed, these oppressive states, these institutions, right is to, you know, they weaponize drugs like marijuana and other things, right? Over 70% of Evanston's marijuana-related arrests were among African-Americans. There we go. Even though they are less than 17% of the population, according to Simmons. But if there is going to, if there's going to be some benefit for the community from legalizing marijuana, then it certainly should be targeted uh, to the black community most damaged by this over-policing, Simmons said. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, you have the... Military, I mean, you have the uh, jail industrial complex and then you have, um, you know, a group of people that you're disenfranchising to help feed that pipeline. It's, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think that this plant, you know, affected people of color quite a bit and it should definitely, you know, help pay, uh, you know, help, help make that right. Just like it, you know, just like it made a lot of damage. It can also, you know, help fix a lot of that damage too. So the council act quickly approving the reparations fund in an eight to one vote. Well, we did not want the cannabis sales tax folded into our general fund and spent in some way. Then we'd have talking about it from something. Alderman Melissa Wine recalled, quote, we realized before a penny of this arrives in our, our coffers, we have to decide right now we're putting this in a fund. And so that's smart, right? Because political power can change or, you know, you put it in a fund, it's going to be, it'd be a lot harder to touch, especially if you have outside actors that come in or just not outside actors, but you know, if you have a switch in, um, you know, uh, leadership, right. So I think that's smart too. It'd be a lot harder to get it, get, you know, to use that money for something else. Um, Typha said that since marijuana has been central to a quote, a criminal punishment system that has disproportionately sent blacks to prison, it is quote, poetic, poetic justice that cannabis serves as quote, the same entity that is seeking to close the black white, the, the black white wealth gap. Evison could provide a blueprint for the rest of the country. Yeah. So we've been, so this, like I said, so this is not a new, new, new idea, but it's kind of, it's one of the first times that, you know, that, uh, that, uh, Marijuana sales tax is actually being directly used for operations. I mean, I think it's a pretty good solution. I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I genuinely think that 
capitalism has done so much. Capitalism created slavery, right? Capitalism creates, you know, I'm not an anti-capitalist, right? Obviously, but I do think that, you know, capitalism unchecked or capitalism can be just a tool. Capitalism is just a tool um, for people to gain wealth. And sometimes that tool can be used in the wrong way. It definitely has been for sure. I mean, throughout history, but you know, I think that there's been a lot of, uh, you know, the generationally, there's so much more wealth generationally in different communities, especially with the white community. Right. And so you need to start to see how we can balance that out. And like I said, ownership through house, you know, through land ownership and ownership of, you know, equity, right. Of, uh, owning companies that is key, key, key. It's one of the best ways to help a community, you know, um, have mobility upwards or upward mobility. Anyways, please guys, let me know what you guys think about this. Do you think that that's, do you think, do you disagree? Do you agree? You know, what do you think about this? This is kind of one of the first times this has been kind of, this whole idea has actually been implemented seriously. Um, and like, you know, putting, you know, ready to go. It's going to be in a fun, like I said, safe. Um, but definitely let me know what you guys think. Uh, please go follow all of my social medias if you can. You can interact with me there. Um, please go check out the frame of flower podcast. It's my new podcast. I episode 12 up. And so, yeah, anyways, my name's LMC. Really, really appreciate y'all. Uh, I hope everyone's staying super safe and sound and have an amazing, amazing day. Peace.